In June 1964, Nelson Mandela began serving a life sentence in South Africa's Robben Island prison. Many of the anti-apartheid activists were also in prison or in exile. The movement was leaderless until South Africa's children rose up to galvanize the struggle once again. Here is part three of Mandela, an audio history. This is the site of South Africa's top security jail, Robben Island, a narrow pencil of land off Cape Town, seven miles out in the South Atlantic. These watchtowers stand guard over men who millions of black South Africans regard as their government in exile. We landed at Robben Island. There's big iron gates and every gate bangs behind me, bangs behind me. And then the warder opened one of the doors of the, of the cell, wooden doors, then he opened the grill and he just shoved me. And there was my bucket and a couple of blankets. And that was my first night. We worked at the lime quarry. We'd never done pick and shovel work before. So every day we had bleeding hands and blisters. It's very, very hot. When we started working there, we were told that we'd worked there for six months. We in fact worked there for over 13 years. In the lime quarry, most of the time you're leaning on your shovel or your pickaxe. But all of the time you're in a group of people discussing things. I mean, every single man on the island was a book, so to speak, and you could really learn from each one of them. Our universe was 30 people. We were completely isolated. They put us into a section on the island called the Terrors Camp. And we were called the Terries. Nelson Mandela, Walter Sisulu, people that they identified as leaders it was, to a very large extent, a mistake for the regime to bring us together. In spite of the fact that we were in prison, we were able to stand away from ourselves and to discover the weaknesses and the mistakes that we made in the course of our struggle. People would say that life in prison is very tedious, but uh, nobody wandered around, bored, doing nothing, and if I wanted to see you, I needed to make an appointment with you. Can you believe that in prison, I have to make an appointment to see somebody when I'm locked up with you for 24 hours a day? And people were pretty strict about it. I couldn't go up to somebody and say, okay, can we have a chat about this? No, we can't. I'm booked. But uh, I ended up being like that because if you didn't have appointments, your life would have been unstructured and meaningless. Asikatali no mabespopa sizi miselinkululeko. My family lived under very difficult conditions without a head of the family who could support them, give them the love and the security which they deserved. My name is Zinzi Mandela. 
When my father went to prison, I was 18 months old. So I think I was about 13, 14 when I saw him for the first time. The following rules are applicable to all visitors to Robben Island. No parcels or articles. I thought he would hold me, you know. Um, I thought he would lift me in the air, you know, maybe spin me around. But obviously that didn't happen. The reality was that I had to see him behind this glass partition and uh, we spoke through a telephone. There were warders on either side of us interrupting the conversation and saying, you cannot speak about that. Whose name is that? You cannot talk about that person. For many years, I never saw my father standing because you would walk in there and find him seated already. So I had no idea even how tall he was. For him, it can't have been easy. Well, I think in the nature of the apartheid system, they had no option but to bury us alive. No newspaper was allowed to publish a photograph of a prisoner. They hoped that way the public would simply forget us. Cape Town glowed in warm, sunny weather today for one of its most colourful ceremonies, the opening of Parliament. It was opened at noon by the President, Mr. Fushi. The Republic has enjoyed a year of peace and tranquility. All political movements were banned. Everything was quiet, ostensibly. In terms of the struggle, we were in the doldrums. They had virtually crushed the movement in South Africa. It was a bad period for us. number of people were being killed in detention. People were very scared to get involved. And yet, under the surface, it continued to bubble. They had locked up Mandela in jail, but they hadn't looked around to say where are their children and what are they doing. The student movement and the leadership of people like Steve Biko, there arose a group imbued with the spirit of black consciousness. Black people need to defeat the one element in politics which was working against them, and this was a psychological feeling of inferiority. There was an emergence amongst the black townships of self-definition. Do you take what your father has taken, or do you stand up for what you think is right? The reaction of the older generation to us was, are you guys mad? Those guys are going to come blow you away. They're going to kill you. And we said, no. First thing is you stand up and speak your mind, as any normal human being has the right to do. There was a state of unease throughout the country. Over the past laws, over the repression, over the police brutality, there were so many other things, you know. You could feel it. You could feel that something had to give. It happened on June the 16th. Teach yourself Afrikaans. Good evening, listeners. Better start off by getting to know all the Afrikaans sounds. Lach, dach, en nach. Afrikaans is a hybridization, if you like, of Dutch. Dach, en nach. Thank you. Easy, isn't it? It's a language that was used by the, the, the rulers. And the black children hated Afrikaans with a passion. 1975, an Afrikaans is exactly 100 years old. To pay homage to the Afrikaans language, pupils of the school present a play in Afrikaans. Every school day, 
began with an assembly of all the kids. And one day there's an announcement. I'm going to speak to you about Bantu education, the education of a million Bantu children. As of today, every subject would be taught in Africans. And the teacher walks in, history becomes chaskidness. And we're all like, what are you talking about? And our teacher was standing there trying very hard. He has an Afrikaans dictionary on the one hand, and he was trying to translate. And in complete exasperation, the teachers would say, you know what? <sighs> I don't know. And that didn't work. Whole classes failed. When they did that, they actually mobilized the entire school generation because it represented everything that the oppressor stood for. This was a battle we had to fight. Soweto, a complex of black townships on the southwest corner of Johannesburg, with an estimated population of one and one quarter million. Every day, Sowetans pour into white homes, offices and factories in Johannesburg, leaving the township to the children and the teenagers. June the 16th, 1976, it starts very much as an ordinary day. Our school started at 8 a.m. as the tradition has had it with the singing of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. But on this day, instead of the Lord's Prayer, we sang in Kosisigilele Africa. God bless Africa which was our signal tune to march out of the school premises. And we all joined at the time. At 8.15 in the morning, and precisely according to plan, students simultaneously marched out of five schools in Soweto, intending to protest the Afrikaans issue in a mass meeting at the Orlando football stadium. We had hundreds probably thousands of school kids. And we thought we know everything there is to know about managing protests. The first thing we're worried about is that everyone must be accounted for at all times. So we then had chains of five kids and make sure you're holding somebody's hand all the time. If not holding somebody's hand, get worried because where is, where is your partner? Then it became really a torrent, a sea of young black faces. Masses of students. I mean, we'd, we'd never seen such a demonstration in many, many years. And at that point, the police tried to stop the march from going on to Orlando Stadium. I've never seen that many police. And you didn't only have police at that time, you had the defense force. So you actually had the army. They intervened by, first of all, setting dogs. And I saw these police dogs set onto these kids, man. And I, I saw moments of real courage, especially from the girls. I mean, there's a group of kids, kids with shining black shoes and little white socks and teeny little tunics. <laughs> and they're singing freedom songs, holding one another. We actually looked cute. It's unbelievable to think that anyone could have stood firm on their feet and actually shot into the crowd. Your initial thought is to secure yourself. And then you look around you. You see girls running, screaming. We had hundreds of school kids running helter-skelter, running all over the place. 
we had planned for water pipes, we had planned for maybe rubber bullets. We had not planned or thought that it's possible that people were actually going to be killed on that day. The teeming black township of Soweto has finally erupted into the violence that whites have been fearing for years. At least two of the dead fell when police opened fire on a crowd. I don't know why they, why they decided to shoot. I can only think it was black life and it didn't count. Life of African people had always been cheap. I mean, having grown up in the township, you know, you've had gunshots, but the sounds of bullets flying, you know, you're standing on top of an abandoned car and suddenly you hear bullets thudding on the side, you know, not knowing where the next one is going to come from. You just get a sense of how fleeting life can be. And you feel, you know, how are you going to deal with it tomorrow? Within 36 hours of the start of a march by 10,000 pupils in protest against Afrikaans, 29 people were dead and 250 injured. The mayhem went all over the region. The following day it went on all over the country. And really South Africa was on fire. Here in Durban, three police button charges were needed to break up a 2,000-strong demonstration at Claremont Native Township. It was like a country at war. And I never forget listening to my radio as the demonstrations were spreading like a prairie fire. And it occurred to me that the regime that we thought was powerful seemed to be terribly disorganized, panicking. In these circumstances, the government has decided on the following measures. No disorder will be tolerated. Agitators who do not cease their activities immediately will be placed in detention in terms of the Internal Security Act. Strong police units will be on hand to deal with any persons who may... For days, the way to begin, smell of tear gas. And the kids got to know how to uh, counteract tear gas. Take a piece of cloth, wet it, and hold it to your nose. Since June the 16th, when South African troops and police opened fire on a peaceful school children's demonstration, the white government has presided over the largest massacre of its black population since South Africa came into existence. When you see your friends being shot at for just walking in the street, it does something to you. And therefore you would look around, what are the alternatives? Do I become like my mother? Forever be under the yoke of apartheid? And the alternative was for me to not be like my mom, great as she was, but to go and fight. Siyo Bashiya, Siyo Bashiya Bazali, Skumbule Kwamanya Mazwe. And 76 really represented, in many ways, a divorce between black children and their parents. It was clear in all of us kids at that time that peaceful struggle, negotiated settlements were totally out of the question. Many of the young people who were on that march left South Africa for armed forces and for an armed struggle. With the youth, have gone into foreign lands to learn how to fight. Mommy, please keep quiet. Even if I die, you will know that I've died fighting for our country. Oh, no.
Nelson Mandela. Information kept on coming through the prison walls about what was going on. The significance of the 1976 uprising was that uh, the government actually produced one of the most rebellious generation of African youth. They were very militant, they were very brave, and there is nothing as encouraging to a prisoner than to know that the ideas for which you are suffering will never die. 1976 was the turning point. Black people had made up their mind. We are not taking this anymore. And South Africa was never the same again. Bye, love, bye.